Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Impassable describes the traffic on Alexander Parade on a Wednesday afternoon. You finish knowing the true meaning of all those words plus the meaning of uh, consubstantial, propitiation and omniscient. You can casually slip into conversations words like eschatological, (laughs) ontological and hermeneutical. (laughs) You can preach, read the New Testament in Greek and just for good measure, plant a church. What a difference that three years and 24 subjects can make. But in the getting of wisdom, have we become more useful to Jesus and his kingdom as a result? Well, you'd think so. You would hope so. After all, what could be more useful to Jesus and his kingdom than someone who knows the difference between infralapsarianism and supralapsarianism? Absolutely. Yes, you'd think by the getting of wisdom, you would be more useful to the kingdom. But you may not be. For all that time and effort and angst, you may not be. In fact, if we are not careful, through our time at college, we may become useless to the kingdom rather than more useful. We study the Bible so that we might become more useful to the kingdom, but if we're not very careful, we may become useless to the kingdom through our studies. While the gaining of knowledge is important and wonderful, James 3 warns us that it comes at a big risk. The risk of becoming proud and arrogant through our knowledge. And when knowledge makes us proud and arrogant, it also makes us useless. Or worse, our learning can make us dangerous. What this passage from James insists on is that you don't just get wisdom in your time at Ridley, but that you get godliness too. If you have the passage there, you'll see that he begins in James uh, chapter 3, verse 13, by showing us that there is the wrong kind of wisdom and the right kind of wisdom. In the following verses, he'll show us what each looks like, but in verse 13, he alerts us that wisdom is not necessarily a good thing, that knowledge is not inherently valuable which we need to stop and think about, especially in the context of a theological college where we can easily forget that and we we, we can easily forget that and value knowledge as inherently good. We can think that knowledge is the key to success. Well, in verse 13, James demolishes that assumption with the rhetorical question, who is wise and understanding among you? 
who is wise and understanding among you? I mean, you could answer that by saying, well, uh, who's wise and understanding among you? The letters show it by the number of HDs she gets in her degree. Who's wise and understanding among you? Let him show that by the obscure questions he asks in class. Who is wise and understanding among you? What wisdom do we value? Well, James's answer is as unexpected in our context as it was in his. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. That is, he's saying that wisdom is ethical, not merely intellectual. You might think that wisdom and knowledge are intellectual endeavours, but James provides us with a deep insight here. He says that the getting of wisdom is a deep moral undertaking. Contrary to their expectations, he explains that wisdom is therefore not necessarily good. It can, in fact, be evil. And that the getting of wisdom does not necessarily lead you to becoming a better person or a better leader or a better gospel worker. Wisdom can make us better gospel workers, but it can also make us worse. It all depends on the moral qualities you get as you get wisdom. Well, then in verses 14 to 16, he explains just how dangerous the getting of wisdom can be by pointing to the disastrous implications of getting wisdom without getting godliness. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So you can become wise. But the getting of wisdom may not lead to godliness, but instead lead to pride. And that pride will lead to chaos and to every kind of evil. How dangerous. Wisdom can be. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1, knowledge puffs up, love builds up. And that is why what you are doing here at Ridley is potentially so dangerous. Because the gaining of knowledge is more likely to make you proud than it is to make you humble. And in making you proud... It makes you worthless. James echoes Paul very strongly here. In Galatians 5, in a passage that I'm sure you're very familiar with, Paul talks about the acts of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit. Well, here he speaks about the toxic fruit that comes from the wrong kind of wisdom and in verse 17, the good fruit that comes from the right kind of wisdom. 
The wrong kind of wisdom generates pride, envy, and selfish ambition in leaders. And pride, envy, and selfish ambition generate chaos and evil. And while that makes good sense and sounds simple enough, in practice it can be very hard, particularly for followers, to see the difference, to see which kind of wisdom is on view here. People, Christians, are so easily sucked into the wrong kind of wisdom. But here's the thing about knowledge, pride and ambition. They can look impressive. Knowledge, pride and ambition can look impressive as no doubt they do in the church that James writes to. We take those words pride and ambition and call it drive, confidence and charisma and so turn these evils into virtues. But call them what you like. They can destroy a church. They can kill a ministry. Because the wrong kind of wisdom often looks good, but it's like a poison. Where a leader has ability, charisma and vision, but harbours pride, envy and selfish ambition, they are like a toxin flowing through the veins of a church, slowly, silently unleashing their poison until the toxin has taken over and the vital organs begin to fail. They may be successful because success is not a barometer. Success is not the way you tell which kind of wisdom it is. It's not that this kind of wisdom, the good kind of wisdom leads to success and the bad kind of wisdom leads to failure. No, the person with the wrong kind of wisdom who harbours bitterness and envy may be popular, they may be impressive, they may be successful. But it's grounded in bitter envy and selfish ambition. It's grounded in a deeply flawed character. And so at the very same time, they're building the edifice of their ministry. It's being hollowed out from the inside. Like termites attacking a house. The edifice might look impressive, but it's been destroyed from the inside, weakened, and one day will come crashing down. It's hard to see the wrong kind of wisdom, especially from a distance. You can't see the termites attacking the house from two streets away. What we see is the impressive edifice. We see it growing over the years and we're impressed. Then one day we are shocked that it's come crashing down. And of course, when it crashes down, it crushes hundreds, even thousands of souls. So it's not just their ministry that's destroyed, but the souls of the many who admired their wisdom, shared their vision and were taken in by their charisma. As Chuck DeGroote writes in a must-read book called When Narcissism Comes to Church, he says the long, painful history of the church is the history of people ever and again tempted to choose power over love, control over the cross. 
being a leader over being led. That's not a historical trajectory you want to be a part of. That's not the sort of person you want to become. Because if you do, you'll promote not holiness and peace, James says, but disorder and evil. You'll not save lives, but you'll destroy souls. Waiting for you will not be the words, well done, good and faithful servant, but away from me, you evildoer. I never knew you. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. There is a better way. Wisdom and knowledge can lead to destruction, but they can lead to something beautiful, holy, and altogether glorious instead. As Proverbs 4, 7 says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost you all you have, get understanding. Wisdom in itself is not the problem. This is not some anti-intellectual rant by James. It's an exhortation to ensure that in the getting of wisdom, you get godliness too. And if you do, if as you grow and gain wisdom, you grow and gain in godliness, then your ministry will flourish and blossom and reap a harvest of righteousness. We know the fruit of the Spirit. Well, here is the fruit of wisdom. In contrast to that horrible evil described in verses 14 to 16, and in contrast to the toxic ministries that such leaders produce, James paints a stunning picture of the fruit of wisdom that is, accomplished, that is accompanied by godliness. Imagine a church, a college, a ministry characterized by these things, by purity, peace, mutual submission, mercy, good fruit, impartiality, and free of hypocrisy. That is the power of the right kind of wisdom. That is the power of wise, godly leadership. Wisdom that's accompanied by godliness. It doesn't necessarily shape something big or something flashy, but it does shape something beautiful, something lasting, something full of the kingdom of God. The church that values the right kind of wisdom, 
the leader who practices the right kind of wisdom, the student who seeks after the right kind of wisdom will reap a harvest of righteousness. If you can get godliness along with your wisdom, then you are on the right path to shaping that kind of community. I worry that we could easily value the wrong kind of wisdom. And I worry that in the promoting the growth of knowledge at Ridley, we could be contributing to the problem rather than being part of the solution. If we allow wisdom to become detached from godliness, then we will destroy churches and destroy lives. And because people can be superficially attracted to the wrong kind of wisdom, their ministries might look very impressive, very successful. But that's not the measure of wisdom. All such wisdom creates edifices that have been hollowed out from the inside. Flowing through them is a poison that invisibly spreads below the surface and slowly kills the body. But if we can cultivate the wisdom from above, if we can get wisdom and get godliness, then we will reap a harvest of righteousness. Let me pray. Gracious God, protect us from becoming purveyors of evil. from accumulating the wrong kind of wisdom, detached from godliness, full of pride, characterised by selfish ambition. Please help us to value knowledge. But as we grow in knowledge, to grow in godliness. That we might have the wisdom that comes from above, the wisdom that leads to a harvest of righteousness. Grant us that wisdom, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.